So welcome to The Expert Edge. Today, I'm bringing you one of my good friends. Her name is Tanya Dalton. She is a rock star when it comes to productivity and personal effectiveness. Uh, she's a good friend of mine. We've, been, we've got to know each other over the last couple of years. And if you are in a position where you want to improve the quality of your life from understanding how, how to systemize things, how to create true priorities, and most importantly, how to live intentionally, you're going to love this episode. She is an expert business owner, obviously a personal brand. She's been running her business for over a decade now, and she has she runs a multi-seven-figure business, which is kind of interesting because she started out, you'll hear, she started out in physical products and then moved towards services. And so in this interview, we really unpack what it takes to shift from one type of business model to another type of business model, which I'm sure a lot of you have even had to do during this current pandemic, etc. Uh, she is she's exceptional. She's been featured in Forbes, Fast Company, Inc., Entrepreneur, Fortune. Uh, she's a machine. And more than that, she is just an amazing woman who is inspiring, who's someone who really stands in her own power and leads her business and her community like a true leader. And so I, th I think you're just going to love this episode with Tanya. I also unpack some really helpful practical productivity hacks that you'll be able to apply right away. I know for me, there was a few that I wrote down that I, I really want to do. And so you're going you're gonna to pull out a whole bunch from this interview itself. If you want to check Tanya out, you can check her out. Her, uh, it is tanyadalton.com. You'll see uh, inside the show notes, uh, all of her details and so forth. And you can connect with her on Instagram as well. So guys, without any further ado, uh, let's welcome Tanya Dalton to the show. You are listening to the Expert Edge podcast. This is the place where experts come to command the stage position themselves as authorities, and scale their business up. Get ready to access your next level of potential with your host, Colin Boy. So Tanya Dalton, welcome to the Expert Edge podcast. Thanks so much for having me. I'm excited for us to chat today. Yeah, absolutely. Now we met each other originally in a peer mastermind, mm -hmm. and uh, which has been really cool, really cool experience getting to know you. And what I love about you and your business is that, you know, there's a few things. One of them is that you live a very holistic life from the sense of, you know, you, you don't just work on productivity stuff, which is your expertise, but you work on your inner life and your inner world, your spiritual world. You've got your amazing family, your kids, your husband, all that sort of stuff is happening. And, uh, and you also run a really successful business. And so I would love to know what kicked you off into getting into running an expert business and a personal brand business? Like where did it all, all start for you? Yeah, this is a, that's a loaded question. <laughs> My story really begins back in 2008 uh, with a phone call that I had with my husband. I was a stay-at-home mom at the time, to be honest with you. And my husband has his MBA and worked for Fortune 500 companies. And he would do international marketing where he would travel for three, four weeks at a time. He would leave our home in Dallas, Texas. And literally his ticket was called the around the world ticket. He would fly all the way around the world. And I had a conversation with him on one of his trips where he's on the other side of the planet. And I'm having telling him all the things that the kids are doing because the kids are really little. And he said, I'm missing everything. 
And I said, no, 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 you're not, you're not missing everything. And he said, I am, I'm missing out on being the dad I want to be. I'm missing out on the milestones. And so I hung up that call with him and I stood in my kitchen that day and I changed my entire life in that moment. I made the decision that I was going to grow my little side business that I had started with $50, $50 and zero business experience. I was going to grow that so I could absorb his MBA income and have him come work alongside of me. Now, I had a husband who traveled for three or four weeks at a time. I had two small children and zero business experience. And yet, I was able to make that goal happen within about a year. So here we are in the middle of the Great Recession, growing a business with no business experience and thriving with my husband alongside of me. So we started working together, and that allowed us to live where we wanted to live. We moved from Dallas and moved to Asheville, North Carolina, to the mountains, and we loved that lifestyle, that that freedom that we had, that time freedom, lifestyle freedom. And we moved to Asheville. And about a year after we moved here, I looked at my husband and I said, I love you. I love working with you, but I don't love what we're doing. And he said, okay, what is it you want to do? And I said, I don't know. I have no idea. What were you doing at the time? Like, what so did you get into? My first business was um, really kind of interesting because we took people's photographs and we embedded them into jewelry. And we made heirloom quality jewelry into st like sterling silver. So we worked wholesale with photographers where they would sell to their clients and we would create the product and, and sell to them. So it was very wow. niched, a very specific yeah. market. And I started that because at the time when my kids were little, there were no iPhones. And when people wanted to see pictures of my kids, I was like, listen, you're lucky I've showered. I don't have pictures of my kids with me. And I wanted a way to have pictures of my kids. So I had started that business out of that need of my own, not because I was passionate about it. And so when I looked at my husband in, you know, here in Asheville, I guess that was probably 2013. And I said, I wasn't happy with what we were doing. I was like, I don't know what I want to do. So I started this journey of my own to figure out what is it I'm passionate about? What is my purpose? What is it that I love? And I found there were three things that I was truly passionate about. I was passionate about helping women. I loved empowering women and speaking with women. I loved education because I used to be a former teacher and once a teacher, always a teacher. It's always trailing behind you. And productivity because that is what truly allowed me to scale and grow a business the way that I had. And I was teaching other women about growing their businesses, finding what you don't do these things. You don't have these systems in place. You don't, you know, and so with those three very unrelated things, I created Inkwell Press, my company. And I knew from the very beginning that I wanted to really empower women to step into their lives and to be leaders with confidence, but they didn't know how. I knew I wanted to show them that productivity was more than just doing a lot of things. Productivity is not just about doing more, it's living your life with what is most important, sitting front and center. So I like to tell people that I get them in the door with productivity and then I'm like, hey, it's really about intentional living. That's what it's all about. And so that's really how we started. We started with Inkwell Press where I had the products. We They're your planners, right? Yes. Pe so people can go and grab them now, like the oh, Inkwell yeah. Press planners. Like they're beautiful. I was actually looking at them on the website just before. Thank you. Well, this is the thing too, is I wanted productivity and I wanted planning to be something like I equate it to a Japanese tea ritual. It, you know, at the heart of it, it's drinking tea, but it's, if you do a Japanese tea mm. ritual, it's this beautiful ritual that you look forward to. And it's all of this, you know, enjoyment infused into it. I wanted people to feel like planning was beautiful and that their lives could be beautiful. So how do we infuse that together? And so I really knew all along that I wanted to have this educational component, but I wanted to start with the products. 
So we launched and, you know, I remember the day before our launch, I looked at John and I said, we had invested everything into getting the company off the ground. And I said, um, okay, this is either going to be amazing or we're going to be living in our car under a bridge. I love those. <laughs> I don't love those moments, but I, I've, I can appreciate those moments yeah, personally. I, I think any of us who found success, we know that we, ha we have had those moments, right? Yeah. <laughs> and so we launch and we have 500 orders. And all of a sudden we're like, oh, okay, we're not going to be living in our car. <laughs> our kids are going to be able to eat. These are all good things. We've got a and nice, so we've got a caravan at the moment. We're in a caravan. <laughs> right. We've moved from the car to the caravan. Maybe we'll stay in the house soon. Hopefully, hopefully. So, so yes, yeah, so it started to take off. And so, you know, always from the beginning, the, the products always came with a set of videos that were not about how to use the planners, but how do you want to live your life? What are your priorities? Are you living to your priorities? And so we started by focusing on the products and then we've slowly been adding in more and more of the service component with the podcast, with the programs and all of those things. Um, so it's really, we're almost like a double business. We're kind of a unique unicorn in the space in that, first of all, we started with products and we have a really thriving seven figure product based company, but then we also have the services. So it's almost like running two, two separate companies under one umbrella. Yeah, so it's no, very I can, interesting. Yeah, I can imagine that. Uh, the in terms of because a lot of the listeners are coaches and speakers and experts, and you know they may or may not have a physical product. Mm -hmm. What because I know that you were we were talking before about you're making more of a transition to going more services and not necessarily less products, but really just scaling up your services. Right. Mm -hmm. I'm curious, what are the benefits of having a physical product in an expert-based business? Well, you know, all the way from when I started Inkwell Press, I had this vision of what I wanted to be. I always think you have to look not at where you are today. One of the things I think we have to get rid of is that term small business. We are not a small business. We're a business. I don't care if you don't have any team members. I don't care if you're only making 50 bucks a month. Start thinking of yourself much bigger. Cool. Look yeah. bigger. Look beyond. And so I, right from the start, knew that I wanted to be the Franklin Covey solution for the new millennium, you know, that, you know, if you think about that model where they have the, the offerings, they have, you know, people who come and they, they take courses from them and they train people, but then they're like, hey, we also have the products that really work well with our, our systems. And that's really what I want to have is I want to have both. So they dovetail together really well, where it's not just me theorizing or talking strategy it's also now you can take the tools and run with it now mm -hmm. go live right and so that's the model that i really wanted to look at and i knew we couldn't do both at the same time mm -hmm. we needed to focus on one and then we could focus on the other so we chose to start with the product business and what's important to us is that we continue to have our products are sold online and then we also sell in office depot office max stores we've sold in barnes and noble um, and really, I want to keep that, like you said, it's not about making that smaller. I want to maintain that, you know, as a seven figure business while also scaling and growing the service side. So that way everything all works together. Yeah. I love that. What have been some of your biggest, you know, in brackets, failures that you've been through <laughs> in your business I like that, the you've, brackets. that you've yeah. learned from, you know, cause oh, it's no. just, it's just a label, right? But what's the, what's been some of the biggest failures you've been through in your business that you've learned from? 
Yeah, well, I, I had an article written about me in Inc. Magazine about my $45,000 mistake. So we could talk about that being a bracket failure. <laughs> That's, there's no brackets with that. That is a failure. I mean, $45,000 is a serious loss right there. But it was right when we were opening up the doors to Inkwell Press. And as I mentioned with our launch, we had 500 orders, which is great. But about you know a month before that, we had been going back and forth with our manufacturing and all these things and our liaison was not delivering and they had very different you know ideas of what deadlines and timelines look like than what we had and so we got down to the wire where uh if we didn't have product in hand we weren't going to be we were have to close up shop and we have you know maybe two pennies to rub together <laughs> between us and you know, the, we talked to our liaison and they said, you know, if you want, you can freight it. You can, you can air freight it to you and it will probably cost you four to $5,000. And we were like, okay, we don't have four to $5,000, but we're doing it. Well, when you air freight something, they're not going to tell you how much it is until it arrives to your doorstep. When they told us it was four T five, not four to five. Oh, ouch. Ow, yeah, I had to uh, get on the phone with American Express, who very generously offered us an extended line of credit. And it was one of those things where it was like, okay, you know what, that's a failure with the fact that we didn't have the right, you know, supply lines set up. We, we weren't able to truly anticipate what that cost was going to be. Quite a big difference. Let's, let's be honest there. But then, you know, what happened was that got us even more hungry. We were already hungry, but I got hungrier. And so we got really aggressive with our Facebook ads and our campaigns and putting things out there. And in fact, we launched in November. And in December, we were named one of the top 10 Facebook campaigns of the year. How, how do you I, mean? Tell me about that. Yeah, so uh, we did a campaign. So we were like, okay, we, we, gotta, we gotta sell a lot of planners. <laughs> like we need to move some product. Yeah. So we really focused in on lead magnets and you know, really getting people into our funnel and into our pipeline, getting people fired up. We did, I mean, I feel like I wish I'd had a camera crew with us because we shot some incredible videos all on our iPhone. I mean, we had a, I wouldn't even say a shoestring budget. We so when was this? When was this? This is in 2014. Okay. Years are always hard for me because right now we're working on 2022 products. So yeah, we're right. like two years ahead. <laughs> yeah. um, so I'm always like, if I get hit in the head and the doctor asks me what year it is, I have no idea. <laughs> so good. Um, so yeah, so this is 24, like fall of 2014, like November. And uh, yeah, so we, we decided we wanted to, what are we going to do? We're going to go out there. We're going to really try to fill the, the email funnel, we're going to get people really excited. We called it the planner revolution. We were one of the first products that were a planner that had goal setting integrated mm -hmm. with it. We really innovated. We, um, we were one of the first ones to have videos that went along with it with coaching and everything else. So we went big and we went hard. And uh, one of the campaigns we did was win a planner for life. And that got a lot of buzz. People got really excited about it. It sounds like a huge promotion to say win a planner for life. What does that really cost you a year? Like nothing. It, it yeah, sounds so grandiose. It sounds amazing. But bottom line, it's how much money, the cost of yeah. a planner every year. That's, that, that's not that much. But we went out, we did this whole um, competition and 
uh, everything, you know, you've seen our products. So that's very much our brand. And we mm -hmm. do all of our design work in-house. John and I did started off doing all the design work ourselves. And now it's really John and a, another person in our office on our team. But uh, it was really just a comprehensive campaign. And it caught the attention of the big wigs, whoever they are. And so we were named one of the top 10 Facebook campaigns for the year, That's which cool. was huge, considering we were like, are we going to live in our car? Yeah. <laughs> right? It's so good. I, I mean... Uh one thing that's coming out for me as I'm interviewing you and having this conversation is you're willing to bet on yourself. Oh yes. If I'm not willing to bet on myself, who's going to be willing to do that? But I, I think that this is a huge hang up for a lot of people. Mm -hmm. And I know, I know for me personally, this was, you know, like a, a resistance point for me from the sense of when I say really bet on yourself, I mean, you know, putting money behind what you're doing and putting stuff. I mean, you know, obviously it's I'm not recommending it, but sometimes, you know, I know for us, you know, when we were starting to scale our business, putting stuff on credit card and hoping it would come through, which is what you did. You know, you put yeah. a ton on credit card, a line of credit to, to actually pay for what you were doing. And I think that if you aren't willing to really bet on yourself, then you will just plateau in your expert business for a, for a lot until you're ready to bet on yourself. Absolutely. <laughs> Would you agree? Has that been your, oh, your experience? Absolutely. What's funny too is I am adamant and I've always been adamant in my personal life that I always pay off all my credit cards. I never carry any debt in my personal life, but business life is vastly different mm. and you have to be willing to put money down so in advance, true. right? So true. We do the same. It's a, different, it's a different mindset and you yeah. have to walk away from the, the way you look at your personal finances from the way you look at your business finances. And I think this is one of the reasons why it's really important to separate the two. I'm constantly amazed when I'm working and coaching with people who've been in business 10, 20 years and they're like, no, I don't have a separate credit card. And I'm like, oh, what? <laughs> yeah, I'm Gosh. like, you got it. I mean, you need all of that to be separate because you handle your money differently. And so, so you know, so, you like to, our business card, we stack like tens and tens of thousands of dollars a month. We just stack it up. Yeah. And well, then, but the we pay too. it off. We pay it off every month. Like I haven't paid a, a cent of interest in like five years, but our personal, it's, it, it is managed very differently. It's so true. It, it's a, it's a mindset shift. It truly is. And what's interesting is too, if you have business cards, you can get business cards that really pay you back for certain activities. For example, Amex has just un unrolled this new uh, program where you get one and a half percent back if you put your payroll on your credit card. And then um, there is a, a Chase card that gives you 5% back for all your marketing expenses. Mm. And then with another Amex card we do, we get 5% back on all of our shipping. Well, we pay in postage easily six figures in postage, not even like boxes and bubble wrap. We, we pay that much so we get money back and then you use that money to reinvest into your company or you use it for your vacation. <laughs> that works too. That's what I like. Really too, that money, that cash you get back is generally tax-free. So it's, it's smart to use a separate so credit true. card. It makes sense to really go out there and take a look at what's available and have multiple cards for your business. It's not about, you know, I think people get really caught up in this idea that it's this, this running leap over this giant chasm, right? And it's like, okay, first let's stop. Let's see, can we jump across? Maybe there's a bridge. Let's look around so and let's assess it before we just jump. It's not a leap without looking. It's a really calculated risk. And I think that's the thing is 
you know, earlier I talked about the idea of, I knew I wanted to do products. I knew I wanted to do services, but I knew I couldn't do both. So you have to choose what do you think is going to advance you right now? Then you double down on yourself in that area. And then mm. once that's rocking and rolling, and then you shift over and you can double down in some other area. You're not going, you know, far and wide and spending a lot of money in every area necessarily. It's this whole idea, you know, that I, I talk about this with goals and I talk about it with life is that, you know, there is no, there's no balance keeping everything even. That's, that's not going to work. Because quite frankly, if you're balanced, you're not turning in any direction. You have to lean into a priority. And when you lean into a priority, that means the other priorities don't get nearly enough, right? They don't get enough time. They don't get as much of your attention. They don't get as much of your money. But you're not going to lean forever. You're going to counterbalance. And then you'll lean into those other areas. And so that's how it works in business in the different areas. For a while, maybe you lean into your marketing and give more money and more attention to marketing. And then sometimes it's operations and then sometimes it's something else. And it's the same thing in life. Sometimes I'm leaning into my work goals and I'm really focusing hard on those work goals. And then I'm going to counterbalance and I'm going to spend more time on my family. And I'm going to mm -hmm. give them more of my attention than I give to my work. And then I'm going to counterbalance and then I'm going to lean somewhere else. So it's this constant kind of shifting of this leaning in because if we're not leaning in, we're not doing anything, right? We're not, because it needs, I mean, these things that we want to do, they need our time. They need our focus. They need our energy and trying to keep everything even means everything's just getting a little, you got to give a lot. You got to give a lot of heart. Sometimes you got to give a lot of money. You got to give a lot of time and then you just got to counterbalance. Yeah, I love this. I love that metaphor of leaning in. I haven't heard that before. And it's so true. It's because like you put weight and, and like power on a certain area and you can't put focus in every area. No, you can. You know, in my book, in The Joy of Missing Out, I talk about it in terms of a bicycle, that if you're perfectly balanced, you can go forward. But if you want to turn left, you have to mm -hmm. lean to the left. But if you stay mm -hmm. leaned over, you're going to fall, you're going to scrape your knee you have to counterbalance. And then if you want to choose to turn to the right, you're going to lean over to the right. And that's the same thing. We want to choose the direction that we're going in. We don't just want to keep going straight. We don't want to just stay with the status quo. If you want to have an expert edge, you have to have an edge. And following the status quo and just staying on a straight line is not going to get you there. I wanted to ask you about your book because I was looking at that before. Mm -hmm. uh, what was, what's the core idea of the book, The Joy of Missing Out? It really is about... Productivity is not about doing more. It is doing what is most important. And what does that look like? Because, you know, I feel like so often we feel like we're supposed to be busy. If we are not busy, we are somehow failing. Have you ever had those moments where you have like 10 minutes to yourself and you're almost unsettled? Like, okay, what did I do wrong? I must have missed something on my calendar. All right? the time. <laughs> oh God, what, what's wrong? What's wrong? When really I feel like there is a lot of joy in our lives that's already there. We're just so busy that we're missing that. So let's actively choose to miss out on the stress. Let's actively choose to miss out on the busyness and the idea of hustle. Let's lean into those areas that really are nourishing for our soul and feel good. So it really is these four steps of discovery, clarity, simplicity, and harmony for how you achieve that in your life, not just at work, but at home. I think one of the things I'm most proud of is that the book was named one of the top 10 business books of the year by Fortune Magazine. 2019, right? Yes, for 2019. Yeah, come on. And um, the book is not even all about business. It's also about your home life because we talk about mm. how do we make home run, you know, so that it's nice and smooth. I really feel like you have to have that strong foundation 
of what's going on in your personal life. So then you can fully lean at work and give it your full focus. I think that is really, really important. So the book is about both. So it was really, really amazing for the book to be recognized for business when it's got both components in it. Congratulations. I mean, it's no small feat to create a book and especially get that level of, you know, uh, acknowledgement. I was laughing before out of context while you were speaking because I was reflecting on your story of your husband when you run into the garage and uh-huh. and you're like, how dare you sit in the garage <laughs> and listen to a song on the radio and laugh mm-hmm. and experience a moment while I'm looking after the kids. And, and yeah. by the way, you delivered that video so well. I was watching it. I could feel the emotion. And if anyone wants to check it out, Thank go you. to tanyadalton.com and watch her video when she talks about her, um, her book. And, but I love that moment because I I was just laughing because I I do, it's a bit of a husband moment. I do do that quite a bit. My my (laughs) wife will be, you know, with the kids or something and I'm off watching some random video laughing to myself. Laughing to yourself. (laughs) Completely. Having a good time. (laughs) Having a good time. (laughs) But you deliver it so well when you say, I would never let myself have that type of a moment or I would never let myself. And then you say it like twice. And from a speaking perspective, it was just beautiful. And because it, you say it once and then you say it again, it's, and you can see it's that self-reflection and it made me as a listener, like think about my life. And so it was like amazing. Please go and watch guys, go and watch it. I take that as a huge compliment coming from you. I mean, really (laughs) for you to say that I delivered that well, I thank you. Beautiful, beautiful video. Uh, just very moving, very powerful. I'm curious to know about what have been some some beliefs that you've had to come against or overcome in your journey of starting and scaling up your business. Mm-hmm. What comes you, up for you? Like biz- beliefs for myself or beliefs for other Le- people? Because there's been both. Yeah, what, whatever I mean- comes up, whatever comes up. I mean, as a, as a woman, there's a lot of beliefs that you go against. Uh, I mean, our lifestyle is very, it sounds really risque to say it's unconventional, but it Ooh. is. I mean, my, it sounds really like, Come on. but I mean, my husband is my CMO. I'm the CEO. I run the company and he, he works for me technically. And people oftentimes have a real problem with that. We have been told more times than one that that is not okay. Um, I, my husband, when, when he's talking with people and tells them, you know, what he does, they'll say, oh, well, she's sure putting you in, in your place. And he'll be like, not really. She, that's what she wants to do. And she's better at it. And this is how she's designed. I don't want to be the CEO. And so it's really interesting because you do butt up against other people's beliefs. It's not just your own oftentimes that you have to, to kind of break through um, so that's, that's definitely something that's really interesting and fascinating that I've had to deal with is just that, that mindset that if a woman runs a business, cause honestly, like sometimes I'll go to an event, I go, I do a lot of philanthropy and we do a lot of donations and that's a really important part of our business. And I'll go to these philanthropy events that are filled with a lot of kind of older men. And they, they think I'm like working, I'm a bank, I'm working at a bank or something is what they assume. I'm not dressed like I'm working at a bank, so I don't know why, but there's a lot of women bankers there. So they'll say, oh, what do you do? And I'll say, oh, I own my own business. And the next question is almost always the same. I say, I own my own business. And they say, oh, what does your husband do? I mean, do you ever get that? Do people ask you what your wife does after you? No. No. 
And so to me, I, so then I say, this is what I always say. So as I say, you know, what does your husband do? And I say, he works for me. And that usually stops them short. Thank my you. husband loves that I do that because it stops them short. And then, then it's my opportunity to educate them a little bit. Mm. Like I don't run some little shop. I don't, you know, I don't just do something out of my free time. This is not a hobby. This is a career. And it's bigger than a career, if you ask me. And so it really is an opportunity to show people this is, this is how business works now. It's a little bit different than how it's been. So uh, standing up and feeling confident enough to do that and educate other people, I think, is an important part of what we all do as coaches, as people, uh, really helping other people see that there's other ways of living. Mm. So that's definitely something that I work against. I, I mean, I have my own beliefs I have to work through too. Yeah. Yeah. What comes up for me in that, because what I'm hearing mm -hmm. is that's like a, you know, a stereotype or something like that, a, a, you know, an industry or a social norm that you're breaking and going yes. in an unconventional way against. Mm -hmm. For me, what comes up is, is you're really standing in your, your power. Like you're just, you know, whether it's, you know, he's working for you or partner or all that sort of stuff, yeah. like you're just standing in your power and you're owning it. Mm -hmm. And so I want to know what have you been doing and what do you continue to do even on a regular basis to really own your power and stay in that space? I love that question because I think so often we get really, we get really caught up in the business growth. And I think that it truly is personal growth leads to business growth, which leads to more personal growth, which leads to business growth. Mm. And it's this beautiful cycle of so you just true. continually work on yourself because when you're going through, like when I talk to people about the seven stages of business and you go through these different stages to get from one stage to the next, it is almost hundred percent of the time mindset that is holding you back. And you have to unlock what are the limiting beliefs that you have? What are the stories you're telling yourself? And when you can step into those and unlock them, that's when you can get to the next level with so much more ease. I think we fool ourselves into thinking that success means we've worked really hard. And it doesn't mean we've worked really hard necessarily. It means that we're, we're finding that flow. We're, we're figuring out ways to make things work for us. And when we focus it on mindset work, which is a personal growth, that really does unlock us so that we can get to the next level. And I know some people will be like, that sounds really woo-woo. It's not, though. I mean, it's been proven again oh, it's and fundamental. again. fundamental. Absolutely. It is. I, and so, and, sorry, on that point, you know, I think about, you know, you've seen so much growth in your life. I think I was just mm -hmm. reflecting on my journey as well from the sense of all the people I used to hang out with who didn't invest in their own personal growth they're not around anymore or they're running really small businesses, which is fine. But I know that in their heart, they want to run something bigger. Yeah. They're playing in the same pond and you're yes. like, you got to get out of the pond. You got to move to the next, you got to move to the next pond. Cause if you're in that same pond, you're looking around and it's the same people. Uh, and if, if you're not hanging around with people who are challenging you, if you're not hanging around and getting in, like we're in a pure mastermind and we are, we're challenging each other. We're, yeah. we're constantly pushing each other's mindsets in very constructive ways, you know, where it's like, have you thought about this? Or why did you do this? Mm -hmm. I think it really helps to have those sounding boards because sometimes we have to step outside of ourselves to really see ourselves. Completely. And so having other people there, and I like to tell people there's a difference between feedback and criticism. Feedback comes from a place of love. And it's not always what you want to hear, but it's from this place of love where people want to see you do better. And so for me, that's been one of the things that has been truly helpful is surrounding myself with other people who are, have that growth mindset, who have the abundance mindset, who, who are there to show up and, and help one another out. 
I, I think too, for me, I very actively do a lot of reflection work. Every, so every year I take a t- about a day or two and I sit down and I do a full reflection for the whole year. And then I map out what I think I want for the following year. So I do this around October, November. I sit down and I map out what I want to do for the next year. And each quarter I go ahead and pre-schedule it. It's already in my calendar where I have a day retreat by myself. Sometimes John will do it with me, but um, that's my husband. Uh, we'll do a day retreat. And then I spend that time reflecting back on the last quarter. Okay, where was it I was wanting to go? Is that still where I want to go? And then, okay, where do I want to go and moving forward? So it's this constant idea of going back and kind of taking a look. And I think the thing is, is so a lot of times when we hear things like we had failure, things didn't go right, we want to sweep it under the rug. But it's when we when we pull back those bandages, when we look at those wounds, that's how they heal. That's how they grow. And sometimes that work can be really difficult to do, but I think it is so important for our growth. I mean, I could just never talk about that $45,000 mistake because, you know, it talk about frustrating, but at the same time, I learned so much more about logistics. I understand how to communicate with my manufacturing partners. I pushed myself to have one of the best campaigns on Facebook for the year. We had our launch was probably a lot bigger than it would have been if I hadn't pushed myself. So there's all this good that comes out of it. But we, a lot of times we just want to focus on the negative and then push it away. And so to me, that's one of the biggest things is really looking at what did I do well? What can I use as a springboard in moving forward? But what didn't go well? What do I know? that I don't want to repeat because that is often so much more powerful than what I do want to repeat. Knowing what you don't want is even more important than knowing what you do. In terms of your, your business model right now, where you're taking it, mm-hmm. what, uh, why do people join your programs? Like what, what have you found to be the reasons behind joining not just your planners, but your actual programs? And like, you can even talk about like what it's about, what your program looks like, the levels, all that sort of stuff and where you're taking it. Yeah. So I think people, people look to me because I don't mind being a lightning rod. You know, I, I know who my ideal avatar is. I know who my core client is and I'm not afraid to, to speak to her at all. And I'm not afraid to polarize other people. I will say my opinion and that attracts people to me like a, like a magnet and the people who are not interested in me, they're, they're not there. And that that's okay. You know? And so I think so often we feel like we have to be everything to everyone that if we want to make a big impact, we have to talk to more people when really, when we have fewer people that we're really focusing in on, when we niche down, we're really able to go deeper and that impact we make is bigger overall. And so my programs are for, it's called the intentional CEO. And it really is about how do you run a business with intention? So Hmm. the women that I speak to, who I encourage to join my programs are women who, who really want to make an impact, who are running businesses that are driven by a mission, who know that they want to affect change, who know that they don't want to follow the status quo, but they don't know how to do it, or they don't know how to scale. And they understand the importance of, I want to have a really healthy, happy home life as well as a happy home, uh, home life at work, I guess, really a business life, because both are important. So we really lean into that and we speak directly to them. Now we have lots of free offerings and lots of free things that we do that speak to other people as well. But the majority of what I do is speaking directly to that woman. And I do work with women uh, and people will say, you know, well, these things, they apply to men as well. And I'm like, absolutely, they apply to men. But I'm speaking to women 
because women have a unique way that our minds work and that we have, you know, unique problems that we deal with that are a little bit different than what men deal with. But uh, because I'm, I'm willing to niche down and speak directly to that woman, I'm helping her understand and solve her problems. I like to tell my own um, members of my program, you're not selling services. You're not selling offerings. You're not selling you as a speaker. You're not, you're not selling any of those things. What you're selling is a solution. People have problems and they're looking for them to be solved. And whatever you're offering solves a problem. If it's not solving a problem, you have no business. No one <laughs> no, wants your product. So true. Right? What I, I, what yes. I love about your description is, is that it's specific. You, I can hear even in your language as you talk about it, you know the, the conversation that they're having in their mind, in their head. And I know for, even my experience has been the more general I go, the, the harder it is to sell, sell anything. It seems contradictory, doesn't it? Because you feel like if I talk to more people, if I talk to everyone on this general terms, then more people are going to flock to me. But really, it's when people go, oh, she sees me. Mm. I mean, people tell me, they'll, I, I get emails and things from people who are like, I swear you must have been in my living room like yeah. when you wrote that book. That's great. Because the conversations you talk about, the, the things that you lean into, those are specifically the things that I have struggled with. Or these are the things I haven't told anybody how did you get in my head? And it is because when I'm writing the book or when I'm writing curriculum and creating, and that's what I look at when I create a course and a program is it's really curriculum. Um, I am picturing that woman sitting across from me. I know her name. I know her husband's name. I know her kids' ages. I know what she does for fun. I know what her pain points are. I know why she might not want to buy my program. I know why she needs it. I know all of those things. So when I'm speaking, I'm speaking directly to her. And because mm. I've lasered in on her, she feels seen. And that's really what everybody is looking for. Aren't we all just looking to be seen? And when someone says, I see you, I know your problems, and I'm here to help you. Don't you get this feeling in your chest of just, oh, thank you. That's what we want. We mm. want people to say, thank you. Because whatever it is you're offering up to the world, someone right now, someone at this very moment is praying for that solution. So true. And so you are going to be the one that answers that prayer. That's a powerful position to be in. If you think of it that way, if you think about what we're able to do when we go forth into the world with our messages and how important they are, it makes what we do not just coaching, but life-changing. You have the ability to change other people's worlds. And that is not a responsibility we should take lightly. Oh, it's just beautiful. One of the core ideas that I always, you know, encourage people to take on is that selling is serving. It's the doorway that you serve. And yes. uh, it's essentially what you're saying is that it's a beautiful, there's a beautiful feeling and description of the integrity of an offer that when you have an offer that truly solves a problem, uh, it, it, it can make such a positive difference in someone's life. And people have all this resistance around selling or making an offer, but it's, it's just beautiful what you can do when you truly understand your audience and you speak to them and, and you can solve that. So I, I love that. Uh, I want to know what's for you right now, what have been some business building things that you're, you've been excited about, or maybe things you've been learning about that you've been implementing recently. You're like, Oh, that's been really cool. Yeah. So we've been, we've been really, 
putting the the gas pedal down on the new program and getting that unveiled, which it's interesting because you think you know marketing for products, so you should know marketing for services, but they're two very different animals altogether. So it's been really interesting kind of going through and learning some of those things. I'm the type of person who just is constantly learning. I try to read at least a chapter of a book every day. That's one of my one of my own personal habits I think that is helpful as a CEO. And so I'm constantly reading different people's books and getting different people's perspectives. You know, whether that's, you know, someone like um Bob Iger from Disney, talk about a giant company, or um, you know, the the head of Mind Valley or the, you know what I mean? Like it's just this idea of I feel like you read these books and my books are always like underlined and there's always notes in the back and ideas that it, it are you a Kindle, Kindle person or no, physical? I am no. physical, physical book. I like to like mark it up. I like to mark pages in the back. I always have ideas that are not from the book, but the book has springboarded in yes. me. Uh, and so, and then I, okay, this is how a productivity nerd works. So I have my book. <laughs> I have my books. I go through, I've read the books. I've really enjoyed them. And then I go back and I mark down and I make notes and I put them on my computer. And so I have a file of different resources and books and I write down like the things that were quotes, the things that made me think. And then later on when I'm doing something like, you know, writing a book, which is what I'm doing right now is writing my next book. I have this whole database of, oh, I remember this person spoke about this. Let me go pull that up and see what they talked about. And then I can pull out information or, you know, when I'm speaking about something, I think that's the thing too, that gives you the expert edge is you're never done learning. You're never, there's no point where you're like, yep, checked all those things off. Now it's time. Now I know time enough. Nap, right? <laughs> I've I reached enough. the pinnacle. <laughs> I'm, now, I'm now done. It's this idea that we're, we're constantly evolving and growing and learning. And we so do that by having other people in our sphere, even if they're people we don't know because they've written books and they're, you know, we don't know them in person. We're still learning through them. We're learning through the people around us. And so I'm just in this constant state of like, how do we learn? How do we do this? And, um, I've been really excited lately because we've been working on some brand new marketing strategies that I'm excited about unveiling and, and figuring those things out. Um, I mean, right now, I'll be honest, so I'm writing my next book, which I'm really excited about. And the process of writing the book has completely transformed me and transformed my business. And that has been really interesting. Talk about a learning curve. You, you feel like when you write a book, you're obviously an expert in the subject or else they wouldn't be paying you to, to write a book. And yet you get into it and you go so much deeper. And the book becomes this almost living organic thing where I, I'll write out an outline of this is what this chapter is gonna be about. And I get into it and then all of a sudden it's leading me in other places. And then, you know, just sitting and thinking about, well, how, how has no one spoken about this? How, how, do we, how do we tackle fear in a different way? How do we talk about procrastination in a way that's different and will really you know, hit people in where they need it. And so uh, that's really been one of the biggest things with my business is I've been shifting a ton of things because I've been writing this book. And the book is really about living a life on, uh, you know, where it's intentional and yes. how do you create a business? So one of the things that we transitioned to this year is a four-day work week, not just for me, Ooh, but for like my team that. as well. So we are doing a four-day work week, which means every weekend is a three-day weekend. Come on. 
uh, right? And do and you then, work longer hours in those four nope. days? Everybody asks that. They're like, ah, so you're working 10 hours? I'm like, nope. <laughs> ah, so you're doing 22 hour days. <laughs> oh, I'm doing, yeah, 22 hours a day. You can do it too. No, I want it to be regular hours. Because here's the thing, you know, one of the, one of the things is Parkinson's law, that time will expand to build the space allowed for it. If we allow five days to do the work, we will take five mm. days. But if we instead choose to allow four days, we'll still get that work done. And what I'm seeing is my team is working harder for me because they love that they get Fridays off. Like it's the most glorious thing ever. It's a great benefit. But also they're like, okay, I don't, I want to get this done because I want us to be successful. Mm -hmm. So our goal for this coming year is that we work fewer hours and we more than double our revenue. I want people to know that I don't just talk about productivity. I eat what I cook. I talk about it. I implement it. I live this lifestyle we're running a multi seven figure business and we're only working four days a week. What is your, can I ask what your business looks like at the moment in terms of like, how many people do you have on working for you and Mm -hmm. what that generally looks like? Yeah. So, uh, full time, I have, uh, four right now that are full time and then two that are part time. And I have a couple of contractors that do things for me. One of the great things is uh, that I have found that your listeners might also find really helpful is for things like my customer happiness desk, because you always want to have good customer support. One of my missions really is about helping women and empower women. So that's where this idea came about. But I started hiring stay-at-home moms to work my customer support. And so right now I have two of them. They job share. They create their own schedules. I don't have to worry about it. They come up with their schedule. They give it to, I, I don't. I don't oversee that part. I have someone else on my team who does it, but um, they make their schedules. They give it to the girl who's in charge of their team and uh, they're always willing to cover. And then when we need to scale up, instead of having one full-time person, we can do full to, full, two full-time people, right? And so these stay-at-home moms, a lot of times are, are women who are incredibly smart, overqualified for the always, job they're doing. Always. And they're really happy to have a job that allows them to have some income. And the yeah. way that customer happiness works anymore is that truly there's no need to be on the phone. They don't have to worry about if they have a crying baby in the background. Hmm. Everything is done through an app so they can do it at the park. They can do it while they're sitting at the doctor's office. They can do it while they're sitting at home. It goes with them. And because they create their own hours, it totally works. I mean, even with a company like mine where we have thousands of support tickets, I mean, we're shipping thousands of orders every yeah. week. We never have a day that we don't empty the queue. And they don't work wow. the full eight hours, right? We have it all set up. So it's really, I mean, this is what I do, right? I teach productivity. So hopefully I have it all super productive. But they, they go in. My, my thing with them is you have to check in at least four times a day. So they check in in the morning. They check in, you know, around lunchtime, one time mid-afternoon, one time, you know, right around closing. And the rest of the day, it's doing whatever they want with their kids, and because they're not working full time. So they time, check in with the tickets four times a day. They check in with the yeah. tickets, yeah. yeah. And usually it's just one That's person. Cool. So they, they just choose which days they want to work. So if something comes up and they want to go to the, you know, the kid's Christmas party, if school ever comes back again, um, <laughs> they can go do that. Or if they need to go to the doctor or they need to go, it gives them a lot of freedom. Yeah. And I think that is such a great resource that people don't tap into. Mm-hmm. This stay-at-home mom workforce they want to work a lot of them, but they want to be at home. Well, so, hopefully during this yeah. kind of online push, that'll open up even more. And I, I hope love, so too. I love that message. And I'm, you know, looking at this, you know, you got four full-time, two part-time, you know, that's, 
you know, I know we didn't, you know, we don't label it as a small business, but I think conceptually it is a small business. We're lean and mean. To, yeah, yeah, lean, <laughs> yeah, and yeah. Mean. lean and mean. Yeah, yeah. And, but I love that you can run, you know, really like high figure business and still have, you know, only a couple of employees. And that's what I love about this expert industry is you don't have to have a big business no. or have heavy weight of employees to run a really great business that's agile and profitable and enjoyable. Yeah. I mean, so, a lot of a lot of people on your team is a lot of overhead to have to cover every mm, month. It is it right, and I think yeah. people we get really caught up in this idea of what we're supposed to have that we have to have this beautiful office because that's what we see on Pinterest. I mean, that we have to have this giant team, and really, all of those things come with a lot of obligations. Mm. And so, I I love that we have a small team. I love that we're able to do a multi seven figure business with what, four full-time employee? I mean, like, that's really, really not very large at all, but it's possible. It's yeah. two, it's, I want to do away with this whole mindset that we have to have bigger to get bigger. You don't have to get bigger to, to be bigger. You really don't. To make the impact you want to make and to make a difference in the lives of an amazing number of people, you can do that really on a small scale. Mm, really love that. So you've given me one productivity hack, which was around the Parkinson's law and four day a week, giving that, a, giving that a go for people. Give me two more productivity hacks that people can use that you'd love to share. about. Yeah. Okay. So I'll tell you that I really try to push for people to throw out their to-do list, which usually gets a pretty big, what? what? It's like their security blanket. It's like Linus when his blanket is in the dryer and they're like, I don't know what to do with myself. But I really advocate using a priority list instead. And I wa actually walk through this in numerous videos. I walk through it in the book. But it really is a to-do list with intention. You know, when you have a to-do list, you're just kind of like, ah, putting things on, putting things on. And we end up with three days worth of tasks to accomplish in one day. Right, and it's no surprise that when you go to bed at night, you go, God, I didn't feel like I got anything done. I was so busy all day long. That is an incredibly frustrating way to live our lives. Let's choose instead to focus on what matters most. Let's prioritize our list. And so really the priority list that I teach, and then of course, as we talked about earlier, is integrated into all of my products, mm. is this idea that we have these three categories uh, that we wanna work on, uh, which is loosely based on the Eisenhower matrix, uh, which is urgent and important. So you yeah. start with the tasks at the top that are escalate. So these are tasks that are important and they're urgent. And by important, I mean they're connected to your North Star, your mission, your vision, your core values. They're linked to a goal. They're things that are essential that you have to be done by you, and they're an investment. They're advantageous to you. Mm. I think a lot of people think that everything is important. <laughs> they can't prioritize. So you start there at the top, urgent and important. The next category is cultivate, which are things that are important but not urgent. And these are the things that you really want to spend the majority of your time doing, but they get pushed aside because they're not urgent. They don't have this like looming deadline, but this is things like creating your marketing budget, right? Reworking your speaking deck, um, you know, pitching to clients, going out and finding them, just doing research, you know, those kinds of things that are truly investments. And then the bottom of the list is our accommodate. These are things that are urgent. So they're screaming out at you, but they're not really important. So instead of starting our day with those, we end our day with them or we mm. accommodate them somewhere in our day. And that really allows us, if we start at the top and work our way down, to finish our days going, okay, I did something big today because yeah. you worked on something that was a priority. Can you tell me those three levels again? The bottom yeah. one was accommodate. What was the top one? So we start with escalate. Escalate, yeah. Uh -huh. And then we have cultivate yep. and then accommodate. Oh, I love it. 
Yeah. So to me, it really is too. The other part of it is truly processing each day as it comes, mm. because I think so often we want to plan out on Sunday, what we're going to do Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. And that feels super productive, but we get to Tuesday and it's a hot mess, right? Like it just so doesn't true. happen. But if you have Wednesday, Thursday, Friday already blocked out and everything, you know, jam packed in there every day, you're going to end up behind. So instead choose to process each day as it comes. I think that's a really important thing to recognize that each day is a new opportunity. And do you have like a rule of thumb for how many tasks or how many hours mm -hmm. of tasks you should put on a day? I generally say you shouldn't have more than like five at the yeah. most. I like five as well. Five is uh -huh. my, yeah, my five is number. five feels manageable. It's, you know, it's not three, which feels like really constraining. Mm -hmm. But um, really, too, if you're spending time on the things that are investments, you don't get to that point where things become urgent because they've gotten taken care of already. You're not spending the night before a presentation reworking your slide deck because you did that three months ago mm -hmm. in anticipation of this. And so it's that idea of if we continually cultivate, if we continually work on the tasks in advance that are important, we no longer get to that stress and we no longer get to that worry of, oh my gosh, I have mm -hmm. to get this done. Love that. So, and can you give yes, us one yeah. more quick one? Yeah, I'll give you one more. Um, automations, I think, are one of the most important things that you can do. And automation sounds super technical, but it's not. It's basically any task that happens on a regular basis. You simply slip it into your calendar and it repeats every time. You know, you can do it. I do this at home with laundry. My kids do laundry on Tuesdays. They know it happens on Tuesday. There's no discussion about it. I don't worry about whether the kids have run out of clean clothes because we know laundry day happens every Tuesday. It's all about taking the thinking out of it. Mm. We wanna think about growing our business. I don't wanna think about laundry. And I want you right now to think to yourself, do you wanna think about laundry for any, any time at all? I can guarantee right now you're like, damn, I don't wanna think about laundry ever. I don't either. <laughs> so one does. make it so it happens automatically and let's not think about laundry. So yeah. Yeah, and and the people who say they do wanna think about laundry, they're kidding themselves. <laughs> yeah, what, okay, yeah. Also, yeah, what are you doing? <laughs> totally. It's like, uh, I'm concerned. You need to like get let's, out. A let's, escalate. Bit. <laughs> yes, totally. let's escalate. Oh, wow. So good. We've covered a lot of great content, your beliefs, your challenges, failures, and the learnings, some really great hacks there. Uh, I would, I would love to know my, my final question is this is imagine it's the end of your life and people are standing around talking about you mm -hmm. and they're talking about the impact that you had on their life, some friends, some family, even clients. What would, what would your hope be that they would say about Tanya Dalton? That I live true to who I am and that my priorities always shone through, that it was very clear without me even having to tell you what they were. Mm. Beautiful. Tanya, it's been a pleasure having you yes, on the Expert Edge. And uh, I trust that the listeners have taken a ton out of it. So thanks for being on it. Yes. Thank you so much for having me. Why is it so hard to know what content to include in your speeches and webinars? Knowing which ideas to keep in and what to leave out is the difference between just getting claps or signing clients. If you're really serious about making your content highly persuasive, Make sure to download the Persuasive Content Builder while it's still available. Go to www.persuasivecontentbuilder.com and get your step-by-step -step formula for designing and delivering content that connects with your audience 
and moves them to join your programs. Until then, we look forward to seeing you on the next episode of The Expert Edge.